1: With everything that's going on, this is a history-making day, and one of my dearest friends that's been on this program now, I think, for about three or four years, uh, I think he knows the value and the the net worth of what's going to happen today as we go to the polls and vote for all the various uh, personalities and positions, and that's, of course, my dear friend, Dr. History. Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: Just great. And by the way, we're hitting five years, Zeb.
1: Is it been that long?
0: It, we started in 08. Oh, my goodness. No, 07. We started in 07.
1: Oh, well, there you go. You know because you are the master of the paper and quill doctor history.
0: Well, and I've kept track of every show we've done and where I got it and my sources. So. Nope. We can
1: go back. And we have these, I meant to tell you a long time ago, but thanks to the greatest webmaster in the world, John Ellis, we have these programs available now uh, to the point where we can go back for quite a while and get uh, excerpts from various programs if you're ever interested.
0: Well, that's good, because I know at one time uh, you were recording them for a little while, and then we kind of quit, and I didn't know you'd start it again.
1: By the way, uh, note that I wanted to jump in on this morning, if I could, besides urging everybody to go vote. For the last couple of weeks, you did an outstanding job talking about uh, General George Armstrong Custer and the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And I was going through the USA Today the other day, and I wanted to mention this to you. You know who Larry McMurtry is, do you not?
0: You
1: know, that sounds familiar. Well, his most known novel was called Lonesome Dove. Oh, right. Okay. And he just has finished a book, I understand, that uh, he says in this interview that he had with USA Today newspaper is going to explode the myths surrounding General Custer and his battle at the Little Bighorn. He has a new book coming out. I'm going to go buy it, read it, and give you a copy of it. It's simply called Custer, and I can't wait to read that book.
0: Well, that'd be great because, you know, if somebody could kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together... Uh, as best they can. That would be great reading. I would love to see that.
1: All right. That being said, on this uh, Election Day, Vote Day, USA, what have you got cooking for us today?
0: Well, you know, I thought about doing a story on elections and presidents and all that, but, you know, I think people are maybe getting a little tired of that. I mean, today's the day it's going to happen, and so... I thought, what the heck, we'll just go with a good old stagecoach robbery.
1: (laughs) In some respects, with Obama, that might be
2: related.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. (laughs) Well, it could be. But uh, anyway, so I'm going to hit a a good old stagecoach robbery today, a good old crime of the Old West. Okay. So, well, you know, back in the old days, uh, the, the mode of operation of a crime usually had distinctive features. Uh, in other words, uh, if uh, people kept doing the same thing, that would link them together and prove that they were committed by the same bad guys. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Butch Cassidy blowing up trains, you know? And he didn't do it very well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. So, uh, you know, but I think he got a little better at it, but they, because he blew up trains, they knew that it was his gang. Uh-huh. So, but anyway, when lawmen of the Old West investigated stagecoach robberies, They assumed that if a robbery was was repeated by men of similar description at the same place, at the same time of day, and in the same manner, it was the same gang of guys. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, When nearly identical stagecoach robberies occurred near Boise, Idaho, obviously, in late 1875 and early 1876, the detectives were at first pretty sure that it was one gang of thieves that was doing this whole thing. But through careful investigation, however, they were surprised to learn that they had three different gangs, and that none of the members of each gang knew members of another. Mm-mm. So you had three guys doing the same type of robberies. So, But, you know, a robbery was a, a crime of choice, because the coach could be stopped anywhere, some distance usually, from any population uh, center. And this allowed time for the robbers to get away before the posse could get to them, so The thing that's peculiar about this that happened up by Boise is that the stagecoach robberies occurred just outside of Boise, from half a mile to a mile and a half, just right, barely outside of town.
1: Now, which way was this out of Boise, north, south, east, or west?
0: Uh, It was south.
1: Okay. Uh, Coming towards our direction, then?
0: Yeah, kind of south. What happened was, uh, and I'll kind of get to that, uh, the reason behind the several robberies uh, was that the Silver City coach uh was one of three coaches leaving boise and uh it was the one that's most likely to carry uh gold and and treasure one mm-hmm. another but what they would do is uh, about three o'clock in the morning they would load up a coach that was going to umatilla and it would leave at three o'clock in the morning then about 10 minutes later the silver city coach would be loaded up and it would take off and then next came the overland coach and it started out about 10 minutes after the silver city coach uh-huh. they all took off out of boise in the same direction and then of course they split up and went to their various destinations i see but by starting out at three o'clock in the morning and going the same direction and with three of them they thought this would prevent robbers from having enough time to accomplish their work and uh, because you know if they robbed one there'd be another coach coming along in 10 minutes so Uh, But the robbers knew of the schedule, and they were ready to try it anyway.
1: I got a question for you right there, and I know you cringe when I ask my questions. In the Old West, did they ever have two gangs try to rob the same stagecoach at the same time, and each gang killed each other trying to rob that same
0: stagecoach? I'm going to have to find a story about that one. Okay. (laughs) There could be. (laughs) Well, so here we are, November 1875, the Silver City stage... Uh, It was stopped just after 3.30 a.m. in the morning, not more than a mile and a half south of Boise. Now, three robbers demanded and got the Wells Fargo uh, treasure box, and they were disguised, of course, carrying double-barreled shotguns. They got a little over $7,000 in gold and dust and greenbacks. uh, But the driver, kind of curiously, instead of going back to Boise, he kept on going to his route over in Silver City, before he finally sent someone back to Boise with a report of the robbery.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, now that's kind of curious, and that'll come out here in a minute, but it rained between the time of the robbery and its report, so they weren't able to get in. As they went out there, they couldn't find any tracks, and there was no leads. Well, <clears throat> there was a, a detective, a Wells Fargo detective named Thacker, and he was put on the, on the case, and he was able to arrest five men. And one of which was the driver. Uh Uh-oh. So, see, the driver was actually involved in this. Uh Uh-huh. And that's why he didn't turn around and go back to Boise. He just kept going to give his buddies a chance to get away.
1: Well, yeah, but, no, wait a minute. You said they were robbed about a mile or a half a mile or so out of Boise, and then he goes all the way to Silver City? Why, you bet your bippy they pointed the finger at him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious. So, but anyway, they, they captured the guys, and in the course of one thing or another, they found them. That they did rob the the coach and uh but the jury now this is kind of strange the jury could not arrive at a verdict
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we've discussed this before but you know the jury turned an indictment against the prisoners for grand larceny which is a lesser charge in other words it's kind of a slap on the hand and uh, but you don't know who was on that jury could have been friends family who knows okay so that was in november okay now february uh 1876 just a few months later silver city stagecoach stopped again out of the city about 3.30 in the morning mm-hmm. this is only half a mile out of the city well the robbers demanded the treasure box they got about $35 in gold coins and about 240 in currency and well within a couple of days the sheriff uh, had arrested two brothers and four others that they thought were involved and, and eventually they were all released except one guy and, uh, and again he was acquitted so uh... You know, makes you, again, wonder about the judge and the jury on these deals. Well, they were getting kickbacks. What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, you got to make money somehow. So that was February. Okay, now we move to April. The Silver City coach got off on time, ten minutes behind the Umatilla coach and the and head of the Overland coach. Well, it was a bright night. They had their lamps lit, but half a mile south of town, man jumped out in front of the horses and told them to stop. And at that instant, another man jumped out from behind and called for the— uh, for the box to be thrown out and so they threw the box off and the stage ordered to drive on and they did well now this one is a little better they later the sheriff examined the scene of the crime uh-huh. but they couldn't really find uh much they found the broken box that had been uh, uh, broken open and but actually they got nothing the box was empty so that was a waste. Well, you know,
1: th- th- robbing stagecoaches up in Boise, there's a couple of things that come to mind here. Uh, number one, it was hard on on stagecoach robbers because they had to get up so gummed early in the morning. That's kind of tough on those guys.
2: Well,
0: you know, maybe they were on the graveyard shift. I
1: well, guess. yeah, I mean, here's their wife. They're laying in bed, and she says, where are you going, dear? Well, i got to get them rob a stage, you know. Said, yeah, I'll be back in a little while. <laughs> yeah, just give me a break. <laughs> Don't nag me. Time. I'm going to go get us some money. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. Well, anyway, so April, uh, the stage was robbed again. Half mile out of town, same place. Well, okay, so finally they smartened up. There'd been so many robberies close to one another that a signal had been arranged. Oh. Okay? Here we go. If the stage was robbed... The driver, as soon as he was away, out of danger, was to fire a single shot in the air.
1: It took him that long to figure out something like that?
0: (laughs) Well, things were a little slow, I guess. Uh, Not things, people. (laughs) Yeah, and then he was to continue on his route. Okay. Well, so men had been assigned to take up positions to watch for anyone, after the shot went up, for anyone coming into town from the south, because that's where the stage had been robbed. Mm -hmm. And then others were assigned to go directly to the scene of the crime, Try to find evidence, track the robbers, and then there were still other men that were to be wake, woken up and to check out certain persons of the suspected reputation. I got a great idea for you. What's that?
1: Why didn't the stagecoach be filled with all kinds of sheriff's deputies with shotguns and everything else? It's dark. How are they going to see them at three thirty in the morning?
0: Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe they were on the maybe. <laughs> It wasn't in a contract. I
1: Come on, Doc, <laughs> get with the history program here.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. So the, st- the stage was robbed, a shot was heard, and they were at the scene in less than 10 minutes. The town was closed up with heavy patrols on the south end of town, uh-huh. so there's no possibility of anybody going in or out without being seen. seen. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, although the men at the scene found, uh, found some evidence a little bit, they found the broken open box, but once again the the box was empty and so the robbers got nothing for their trouble. Okay, so here we're getting a little little smarter. At daylight the sheriff found some tracks that they thought would belong to the robbers. One man's tracks was really big and the other one was really small. <laughs> And uh, that's pretty scientific back then. (laughs) Uh, And it appears that the two men planned to circle around town and come in on the north end of Boise. Uh So they they weren't dumb, you know. So anyway, there was one man uh, that was strongly suspected to be one of the robbers. His name was Miller. Well, he was arrested, thrown in jail, and I don't know what they did, but they got a full confession out of the guy. Well, Miller's confession that the other robber was a guy named Scott. And so so Miller's in jail now. Scott is out in the lava fields about an hour away from the city, mm-hmm. and he could watch from where he was, the officers and people trying to find him, And but eventually he got hungry and he decided to, he better go into town and find out what happened to his partner. Sure. So, because he didn't know that he was in jail, so he hid beneath the Baptist church there in Boise until he was discovered, and the sheriff come around and told him to Come on out, and uh, anyway, so he crawled out from under the church, and so he was taken, uh, bound, taken, took his rifle, his gun, and everything, and thrown in jail. So now we got the two, the two bad guys. Okay, now they were taken before the judge. They were charged with robbery. Um, they, uh, while in jail, now this Scott guy was kind of an interesting character. While he was in jail, he got a knife. uh Oh. And he was sawing away at the iron bars when he was discovered by the sheriff. So, uh, now, another time, just a little while later, Scott and Miller all made an escape again. Uh, this time they made an escape. Uh, there was actually an iron grating fastened with two bolts, and Miller was able to stand up on some benches, put his arms through the grate, unscrewed the bolts, tore the grating off, and they got out, and in the jailer's room they found a Spencer rifle and a shotgun, and they took off. Oh, my. So,
1: now, you're not going to tell me that they went back and hid underneath the Baptist Church again, are you?
0: <laughs> well, they could have. You know, it probably would have been safer than what they did, because they took off out in the country. And so the sheriff uh, took off with his posse, and they located the escapees. And and it hadn't been long, but uh, they had Scott and Miller surrounded and uh, about eight miles out of Boise. Well, they captured Miller, and in about another half hour, they captured Scott. And uh, they took their prisoners back to Boise, and uh, at this point they decided maybe they better make the jail a little more secure.
1: uh... that's a good move. That's a good move.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, the prisoners were taken to the penitentiary up there in Boise, and I've never been to that old penitentiary, but I've heard that's a a pretty good uh, tour up there. Oh, they but, revoked your sentence, huh? <laughs> <they did>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the sheriff decided that uh, you know, being these guys were kind of good at getting out of jail. Uh, One night, he uh, was keeping watch, and he heard some sounds of men working on this grating door again. (laughs) And he rushed in, and he found that Scott and Miller and some other prisoners had somehow nearly picked and pried off the lock of the door. (laughs) Somehow, they had gotten a medium-sized axe, a small bar bar of iron, and an old pocket knife. Now, Now, again... How they got those, did you know somebody smuggled it in a cake or something? I don't know.
1: I know what you're going to say next. You can just save the time, and then they all ran out the door and hid under the Baptist Church. (laughs) You know, that Baptist (laughs) Church must have been
0: a nice place to visit. No, they didn't. He, He caught them before they actually got away. Oh, I see. So, anyway, eventually the grand jury found indictments against Scott and Miller for stage robbery. A trial was set. Trial only took about a few days, and the two men were convicted of the charges. And back then, they had a little harsher sentence Miller was sentenced to five years at hard labor, mm. and and Scott was sentenced to serve seven years at hard labor. Which, you know, they, you never hear of that anymore. That's, I guess, uh, too uh, too rough on them to actually make them work. Yeah, yeah. So that's the story of some bank, some stage robberies that happened just right up here in Boise, and. Anyway, I thought that was kind of well, you
1: know, i got some questions for you, as I always do. Uh, okay, so these guys, Miller and what was the other guy's name? Scott. Scott. Now, they were good at uh, robbing the stagecoach. Right. Okay. But you would think if they were really that brilliant and they got away with it the first time, why did they hang around Boise until finally they figured out, the cops finally figured out, hey, these are the guys, why didn't they leave the scene and go someplace else?
0: You know, I've, I've given some stories about dumb robbers. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Uh, I remember one uh, man and woman robbed the stage, and they were out in the out in the desert somewhere down there in Arizona, and they got lost <laughs> <laughs> until the sheriff's posse found them, and they were. Nearly dying from thirst and hunger, so you know some of them don't think things out real well ahead of time.
1: Well, and you know it's just like we talked about on one program, and Hollywood has this too. But there were dumb uh, Western robbers with the trains and the stagecoaches. One of the dumbest Western movies I ever saw in my life, and I'm trying to think of the title of it. All of a sudden, it escapes me. Is where the guy jumps up in the middle of the railroad tracks, okay, holding a Winchester, and the train is coming at him at 30 miles an hour, and he sticks his gun up and yells, Stop the train! Now, I ask you, Dr. History, and you're a man of great intelligence, why would somebody driving a multi ton train at 30 miles an hour stop for some Nimrod standing in the middle of the tracks holding a gun?
0: That's what the script said. Oh. (laughs) You know, we we talk about dumb robbers, but I think sometimes there were maybe some dumb bankers and some dumb dumb, uh, train... Uh, engineers too but
1: when you think about Hollywood and in really some of the stories you've had about these guys that aren't really intelligent why in the world would a guy driving that kind of a, a train stop for somebody standing in the middle of the track
0: saying right. hold up hold <laughs> you know last night I was over to my folks house and uh, I watched about the last 10 minutes of a Roy Rogers and a Gabby Hayes uh, uh, show oh. I don't know what the name of it was but of course Roy Rogers got the girl and Gabby yeah. Hayes We thought he was shot, but it hit his uh, little pint bottle of uh, hooch, and so he didn't get killed. That little Uh, pint bottle of
1: hooch saved Gabby Hayes in at least a dozen Western movies.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he thought he was dead and uh, thought he was going, and uh, and then all of a sudden they find that just dented his little can of hooch.
1: Well, and that happens to a lot of us. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I can't wait to hear you next week. You do a great job. Now, did you go vote already? Not yet, but you can be sure I will. Well, you'd better. I'm counting on you. Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner, one of our dearest friends. God bless you and thanks for telling us all about stupid stage robbers.
0: <laughs> okay. I'll try
1: to come up with a smarter way. <laughs> okay. See you next week. <laughs> you have a good day. Zach. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life.